Hello, anyone listening. Um, welcome to Connecting Vague Dots. If you are watching on YouTube, you will not be seeing our logo. Today, you will be seeing a completely black screen. This is to show our support and standing with the Black Lives Matter movement and the black community um, in our country, in the USA, and all across the world. Seth, would you like to chip in? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll chip in. So, um, obviously following uh, the murder of George Floyd, there's been... Um, a, it, I don't think I've ever seen anything so big on social media in my life. I can't remember anything having such an influence over everyone's stories and what's, what everyone's posting. It's, um, it's, it's crazy, and it's still going on now, which is really good. So it wasn't just for a day. It's like people are actually taking an interest, which is, which is for the best. I've certainly found this personally, but I have um, become fully in, engaged as opposed to previously observing and being utterly appalled, I am now being utterly appalled and taking action. Mm. And if you can do the same, please, please do. There are many, many organizations um, out here and in the US. And if you can donate, please donate. And please research places that you can. Um, there are petitions you can sign as well. Share posts on social medias contribute and stand in whatever way you can I think is the mm. general message yeah and we'll link um, a couple petitions and some um, information resources at the bottom somewhere I think that'd be yep. good maybe some petitions as well mm-hmm. we can do that but um, the book that made you um, would you say that when you read "Why well, I'm No Longer Talking to White People," was that was that your wake up call? Do you think? I started reading it um, because I felt compelled to start um, sort of researching and reading and paying attention, and then I and then I read "Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race," and it's very informative and brilliant brilliantly written it's, it's hard to formulate thoughts around that subject when when you're a white person essentially yeah i think it's a little bit more tricky to to formulate the words that you think you that a you want to say and and b that you think you ought to you ought to say because there is I think a lot of self self doubt when white people go into a conversation about race from well meaning positions and positions of support because they're not they haven't experienced those things there's a doubt about what what they are needed to do to support and the book is brilliant because at the end of the book, it says explicitly what you can do to support. And you can find this stuff 
everywhere now. If you have not in the last week come across numerous places that you can um, go and show your support, then we will link some. But it won't take you very long no. to find places to um, contribute. Yeah. Just just a disclaimer, going on from that um, thing about white people talking about race, me and Jay are both white people, and we are <laughs> trying, we thought we'd um, try and talk a bit about it. But obviously, it's strange for us to talk about it, because we've really no experience of it, and we've no like, frame of reference to it whatsoever, so it's really weird for us to talk about. I mean, we can talk about how much, like, Racism is awful because you know racism not... is awful. Yeah, because racism is awful. But that's probably about as 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 much as we can do. So, like, but then again, you've got these resources and to um and pages and sponsor stuff which you can donate to, and it's all yeah. That's that's I think that's probably the most that I don't know. I think I think reading as as well is is really important right now um and sort of taking in that information and uh, and and accepting it and absorbing it and then using it in in how you want to act next so so reading why i'm no longer talking to white people about race and the countless other books that i need to read and go and find and research and that I will be doing and will continue to do. We're out, we're out of our depths, but we we are very much <laughs> out of our depths. We don't want to be, I think. But we but we have to be. Yeah. <laughs> but we want to it'd be nice to like through all this reading and um researching just about educating yourself. Really, isn't mm. it? At the end of the day, I mean, when you're educated on something, you can then talk more about it. And I'd happily say I'm not very educated on it at the moment. No, and I think there's a lot when we were when when you're in school as well. What your history lessons mm. in in school, <clears throat> sort of, definitely across the West world is very white centric yeah i don't i don't remember learning about any any black people in great detail i mean like we would have you did and you over. did history up until a level didn't you yeah we did we did um what we just did uh, the, the the awkward thing is that we we looked at um russia and we looked at the middle east but Annoyingly, they all they were all depicted as sort of the the villains, and the Middle East was a pretty um, yeah they were definitely villainized a bit. In well, because history. it was because the history of the Middle East is written from our perspective. Yeah, and when we invaded them during the Crusades and all the other things we went over there to do, we saw ourselves as righteous. And we wrote the history such that we were portrayed as righteous. Yeah, we were we were god awful to be honest. 
Um, yeah, absolutely terrible. But um, it's, that, that's literally that's probably all of the all of the attention that we gave to um, black people in education. So it's it's, not... it, it's certainly a a problem that needs to be redressed. Yeah, definitely. We le- we did learn some important things during our his- during history lessons at school, but I think it's much more important to learn about horrors of our own country and what we have inflicted on people. Because mm. the British Empire inflicted so much pain on so many people and it's it, it boggles the mind, really, mm. how, how you get a, a tiny island just sort of off the coast of, of mainland Europe and somehow they conquer the world and treat every single person they come into contact with who isn't them so awfully. Yeah, and the fact that they did that and we didn't learn about it. Yeah, we're taught, we're taught about Queen Victoria. We yeah. read Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, e- even back to to Shakespeare, yeah, we were committing atrocities, but we like to th- but we like to focus on the fact that Henry VIII had six wives, <laughs> yeah, and Shakespeare wrote a couple, and, and Shakespeare plays. and Shakespeare wrote some really good plays, <laughs> yeah, and and we don't focus on the the awful things you- quite as much. Do you know what it's reminding me of at the moment? That it's um, the news at the moment. So, I've said that I've been seeing all of this um, positive, pro Black Lives Matter action on social media, mm. but the news is, has gone off on one a bit. It's it's not doing enough at all. It's what what it's they've thrown this Madeleine McCann story in, and that seems to have taken up most of the front pages. And then on top of that, they've got coronavirus. And this Black Lives Matter thing is getting like completely buried, I think. I don't think I've heard hardly anyone on the news like give it any proper airtime. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't really know what, what to think about that. Especially with the BBC. Mm. I think maybe what it is, <clears throat> is in terms of the... B- well, in terms of the tabloid press... And, you know, the newspapers, generally right-wing media, writing publicly about Black Lives Matter, it's almost, it's almost like they don't think that it's in their interest. Mm. They know their audience, and their audience doesn't care so much about that stuff, so they just won't write about it, or they don't care. So, well, that's where the change needs to come in. People just need to start caring, I think, yeah. and actively caring. Mm. Would be my would be my message, yes. and you can and you can actively care in in so many ways, and you don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to like go on social media, and you know you don't have to share posts and talk about the fact that you care. Yeah, you because I'm you sure don't necessarily have to do that. I'm sure that some of the people doing that is just it's. Might just be for sure. It's a cynical outlook, but I'm sure some people are are giving it all that on social media and not actually it's, 
Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons why I hesitate on on social media and sharing those sort of things because at no point do I want anyone to accuse me of virtue signaling. Yeah. Like, oh, you're just saying this to make people think that you're a good person. Yeah, it's the whole Which, white white saviour complex thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not doing that. I don't want to come across a situation where I'm accused of doing that. Cause, so I'm just going to do other things. Mm. And support in other ways, and if that's you as well, that's fine. Yeah, and absolutely. If, and if that's not, and if you want to share things online and be vocal online, and go, to, go to protests and stuff... That's great as well. Yeah, absolutely. Each each to their own. Absolutely, each to their own. I've I've seen so many posts of like there are multiple tracks along this highway of anti-racism, and just because you're not in every single track doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Yeah, (laughs) there's something about stopping racism that seems so impossible. Do you know what I mean? Because it's so inherent in. Society. I think think one of the things is it's not stopping racism as a whole, although that would be lovely. It's more. It's sort of changing the systemic problems that appear. So that's why people are campaigning for in America longer training for police. That includes Mm. diversity training. Yeah. To make sure that you educate officers in their four months of training for some states so that in those four months of training you or pro- preferably longer so mm. when they're training you educate out of them if it was there to begin with that black people are not automatically suspicious and probably aren't doing something criminal mm. i watched 13 um, a couple of days ago, which is a documentary made by Ava DuVernay um, that documents from the 13th Amendment, which is the abolition of slavery in America, mm. and the way it has affected the prison system and racial discrimination of imprisonment in that like 150 year span. It's because in the 13th Amendment, there's a caveat that says. Uh, no, no person um, may be made t- to free labor or forced into uh, slavery. I can't remember the exact wording, unless they are a criminal. Basically, permitting prison prison labor, essentially. Yeah. And so, from that point on, you had black people being arrested and sentenced. For the most minor things imaginable, like loitering, <laughs> so they could be sent back off into slavery, um, in, into working, and you know, onto the chain gangs and that sort of thing. Then you get in the 1920s, you get the Jim Crow laws, which define black people as being second-class citizens. Jeez, until you know the late 60s so you get 40 years where it states outright in american law that america that um that black people are second class citizens finally you get rid of something that should never have existed 
in the first place after 40 years in the 20th century mm. but anyway um and then through the 70s and 80s you get this war on crime that much more negatively affected the black community than it did the white community because you're because Nixon and Reagan targeted marijuana and allowed that to be an imprisonable offense like possession of marijuana and also there were much heavier sentences for um possession of crack cocaine as opposed to powdered cocaine even in the documentary one of the people who was uh partially involved in implementing that said yeah we shouldn't have done that that made no sense and it was really hurtful to the black community um watch 13th it's really good it's really informative where is it is it on it's on netflix on netflix um and i think if you don't have netflix it's on other places um Actually, no, it's a Netflix documentary, so I think it is only on Netflix. Yeah, Just right. looking it up on my phone. Yeah, only on, only on Netflix, unfortunately. But um, lots of people have Netflix nowadays, so please go and watch that. Yeah, if, if you are watching on YouTube, we will put links in the description. Other podcast services, we will put some links in the description there as well, because there is a description there that we can link things in. Lovely. So, shall we get on to the meat and potatoes of the podcast? Let's get on to the potatoes and the meat. Oh, am I kicking off? Do you want me to... Explain the concept. Oh, yes, of course. So, for those of you who do not yet know the concept of Connecting Vague Dots, the idea is me and Jay choose one film, one book, and one piece of music, all with an underlying link or theme, and the other one of us has to guess correctly and there's a point system involved similar to only connect so if you get it within the first item you get three points and two points and one point etc etc but first we must um, talk to each other about whether either of us visited anything that the other one recommended in the last podcast um, because we there are points available for that so Jay did you um, listen to agenda by Kate Nash or did you um, go away and read three men in a boat or watch up no. Oh. Did you... Um, I can't even remember what I spoke about I last I was week. Did so you watch Whiplash? No, remember I watched Arrival instead, which, you, which is your recommendation, oh. but not on the podcast. So. Arrival is great. Did you listen to... Tubular Bells. Tubular Bells, that was it. Did you listen to it? No, I bloody didn't. No, of course you bloody didn't. Um, did you read Crash? D- that is, I, I am well looking forward to ordering the book. <laughs> it's good enough. <laughs> no, you're not getting it. It's good me. enough for me. I, I don't get a point yet. for it, but I'm happy. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. It just sounded really interesting, and you know. I also, I also like. Um, I think me and the protagonist would be quite similar in many ways. You know, liking having fetishes for cars and. Um, There's a lot of voyeurism in it. Oh no! For- so voyeurism is like uh, kind of getting turned on by watching other people have sex. Surely that's every boy ever who's ever watched porn. It's pretty much anyone who gets turned on by porn, you're a voyeurist. I'm a voyeurist. 
Blimey. Never thought I'm, of it that way. I'm definitely a voyeurist. See, this is what you get on Connecting Vague Dots podcast. So you get one minute we're talking about something really serious, and then and then and then ten minutes later, <laughs> we're literally talking. We're just talking about wanking. <laughs> yeah, thank you for actually saying it, Jay. That's um, appreciated. I haven't had a wank in three days. Anyway, right. <laughs> so, Jay, your film, local hero. Oh, lovely stuff. Oh. I love it so much. Oh, it's such a good film. But yeah. I actually watched it, um, well, I watched a bit of it the other day because it was on, and it's just so damn watchable. And um, you actually lent me that DVD, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I told you, go watch it. And you went, oh, yeah, maybe. Have you got a DVD? And I went, yes. And then I pulled it out <laughs> of my bag and handed it to you. <laughs> and then I said, shit, I've got no excuse not to watch it now. Yes. And you but, um, did. You loved it. I did love it a lot. Um, right, I'll let you talk about it because it's your your baby. Okay. So, Local Hero is a film. Peter Riger. That's that's the the main character, Mac. <clears throat> mm. Mm. Bert Lancaster as well as Felix Happer, this yeah. um, oil magnate who is um, Mac's uh, boss, and he sends him out to this Scottish. Um, little coastal town because they're buying it yeah so they can make oil it's a really beautiful um place isn't it i don't know where it is it's beautiful scenery Uh, i'd love to visit it yeah it's definitely in scotland it's north it's i think it's the northish northern scotland like that sort of coastline i believe Mm, it's lovely Um, maybe maybe close i think it's closer to the isle of Skye. it would be northern because they see the northern Lights, don't they? In the film. Yes, yes, yeah. they do. That is a lovely scene because mm. he's 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 on the phone to his boss, um, and his boss has like an obsession with um, the sky. And <clears throat> yeah, his boss. Um, so Felix Happer is very very interested in astronomy and constellations, and he has in his in his office he has a separate room which is a planetarium <laughs> that he occasionally goes into just looks up at the at the constellations in his little planetarium it's lovely it's really nice um mm. and then mac one day is calling his boss to talk about um the constellations that he's been told to observe and he starts to see the uh the northern lights and he starts describing it in absolute awe mm. to um to happer and and <laughs> It's it's very it's it's a very wholesome moment because Happer on the other end is going, uh, Aurora Borealis, you're a lucky man, McIntyre. You're a lucky man. It's 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 very much a story of finding a home, yeah, for yourself, and uh, because Mac comes to absolutely adore the town in all its glory. And he, he, he's told to go and talk with the local residents and arrange uh, to buy up the town so they can sell it off. And they come into problems um, when, they, when they discover that the beach that they need to buy is, not technic- is technically owned by someone who has no intention of selling it. Yeah, and uh, there's a great sort of bartering scene where uh, Max trying to buy it off of this very stubborn man who's owned the beach for generations in the family, and the man picks up 
a uh, handful of sand and he says um if you pay me the amount of grain of grains of sand in my hand if you can guess the great the um grains of sand in my hand then you can have the beach the whole film is really good and there's also a woman with webbed feet yeah who peter capaldi falls in love falls with absolutely in love with and it's it's very sweet it's a really uh, it's, it's a it's a proper feel good film yeah even though it has a vaguely bittersweet ending i can i always come out of watching that film and i just feel better yeah Although I don't think I ever quite got over the um, rabbit incident. The more I watch it, the less sad I think the rabbit incident becomes. Oh, I still find it so sad. Anyway, you have know. you have you disclosed everything that I need to? I yeah, I think I have. Because I got carried away there because I I really like the film, so I, I wasn't even thinking about any potential link. You did say something. You said um, okay. All right. Is your link finding a home? It is not. Oh, I thought it was. I really thought it was. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, Seth, what's your film? My film is, and I have. No, I'm not going to say that. I've chosen. <laughs> I've chosen this film, um, and it's a really, really good film. And it's a new film. <gasps> I know. As in, like. Knives out. Yes, it's Knives Out. How did you know it's going to be Knives Out? <laughs> How did you know it was going to be Knives Out? Well, it's directed by um, Rian Johnson. But oh, yeah. please don't be put off by that. Um, I saw I saw a very unfair um, meme um, the other day, which was if, tw- if 2020 was a year, it would be directed by Ryan Johnson. And my heart went out to it. Because Knives Out is directed by Ryan Johnson. And it's bloody brilliant. I mean, he didn't do a great job on the Star Wars, fine, admitted. However, Knives Out is... It's brilliant. It's like this. Um, so Daniel Craig's character gets called to. Well, well, well no, he, he gets a tip off about um, a, a death in one of those big manor families who have lots of secrets and very Agatha Christie like. Anyway, he gets a tip off and he goes to investigate. And Daniel Craig is absolutely brilliant. Jay, I'm sure you've heard clips of his um, accent in it, his weird Kentucky. I, I think I've heard clips of it, but I can't pl- I can't remember what it sounds like. Uh, I can't even try and do it, but it is it's really really good. Um, it's got an all star cast. It's got um, Anna Diarmas, uh, Tony Colletti. Who's that guy? I always forget this guy's name. Oh, Christopher Plummer, um, and Chris Evans are all are all in it, and it's prop proper proper who done it but it's not really though because it it sort of changes into a bit of a comedy and then it it changes into a bit of a action film towards the end and it's um it's just a absolute roller coaster of a ride um and it's it's a new film which i was really impressed with myself about because we we probably have haven't mentioned a recent release oh it got absolutely shunned at the Oscars. I don't. It, well, these sort of films don't get nominated for Oscars, so it was no surprise that it didn't get nominated for an Oscar. But I was a bit upset because it was really good. One unpretentious films. Do you know what I mean? Like films that are just lots and lots of fun. Often don't get um, anywhere near enough attention. I I think I might know what your connection is, but I think you're 
you're probably leading me down a path. Probably, yes. Uh, do all of these things sort of mislead the audience and change genre sort of halfway through? Uh, no, I'm not going to allow that. Okay. That, mean, that means it's, it's close, but not quite. Yeah, it's close, but no cigar, as Triple Pursuit would say. No, 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 sorry. Alexa says that. When you're playing a quiz with Alexa and you get it wrong, she says close. And she says, close, but no cigar. Like that. It's a bit irritating after a while. Jay, um, your book, please. No, sorry. Uh, music. My music. Yeah. My music is a slightly strange choice oh, because technically okay. this album hasn't come out. I don't know if this excuse album is, me. I don't know if this album is completely finished yet, but it's sort of the idea of this album comes very much with um, the theme. Sorry, no. Um, I, <laughs> there are released <laughs> tracks that will. There are three tracks that have been released that will form the album. Okay, that's fine. With I've... some other things. But I'm currently just taking the first three tracks um, and taking them as the album as it currently stands. Because okay, the rest of the album fine. will be of a similar vein. What is this album yet to be? Jesse Volume 3 by Jacob Collier. Jacob Collier, yes, I know very, very little about him. <laughs> Jacob Collier is a English um, British tea drinking he's an, he's an English jazz musician and harmonizer so he plays numerous instruments and he um, is has done years of research and looking into how harmony works and he is basically in sort of the jazz world the god of harmony there is a um i love this as as a as a jazz fan myself that there is you know the five levels of difficulty the um wired um explain things that they do on youtube um i'm a bit out of touch i'm not so sure so is it wired or is it something else i can't remember it sounds like wired Jazz musician explains harmony in five levels of difficulty. That sort of type of video okay. title. And level level one was like a uh, little kid, and then you get a teen, you get a college student, and you get a professional musician, and then level five is Herbie Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just Jacob Collier and Herbie Hancock, both with keyboards, just fiddling around with harmony. Brilliant. Um, so Jesse Volume 3 is part three of a four-part album series that Jacob Collier has been working on for the last two, three years, I think. Um, so um, there are currently three released tracks from it that are, I think, In My Mind is the first. There's Time Alone With You featuring Daniel Caesar, and it's absolute, it's an it's so good. It's a banger. And also All I Need with um, Mahalia, who is a British um, English um, singer-songwriter, and Ty Dolla Sign. 
I think that's that's right. That's what it appears on. That's how it appears, roughly speaking, on Spotify. <laughs> so I'm just going to assume that it's, that it's said that way. Yeah. Um, and those three tracks are the only released tracks so far, and they are absolutely brilliant. And they are um, sort of edited uh, and accumulated in Logic and Logic Pro, which is this Apple um, music um, mixer. Sort of, yeah, mixing um, thing. All I need broke his record for the amount of tracks uh, that he mixed together in in a Logic session. Can you guess how many tracks he had? So I, the one song that I've listened to by this guy is is that is his sort of mix of September. No, his mix of oh, what what is it? Here comes the sun, possibly. No, 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 no. Anyway, but basically on that track, there's a lot of layering. So if this is his most layered one, I'm going to guess. Let's go for sort of thirty is quite a lot, so I'm going to guess thirty. Am I dead on? No, you're you're really far far away. In his logic session breakdown that he he's done on YouTube and he streamed it on YouTube as well, he broke down how he arranged that composition and it's six hundred and sixty <laughs> tracks in Logic. See how. That's I think insane. His, I think his previous record was 630. What? Oh. That's... The, the best thing is, I watched the, the, the breakdown session of Time Alone and You, and he went in there, and there was 350 tracks, and he, rec- and he, re- and he referenced it as being modest. <laughs> so, no. so, you know, you've got a, quite a simplistic sort of setup here just looks in and then scrolls down to the number in the bottom left-hand corner of the last track. 357. Oh, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, gosh. What's the concept for this album? Did you say there was some sort of idea behind it? Yes. So um, for Jesse Volume 1, you essentially get this sort of morning time period um, as you're sort of waking up and getting into the day. Jesse Volume 2 is the afternoon. And sort of that evening period of cooling down. Jesse Volume 3 is the night where you go out and party and it's feel good and it uh, raucous and energetic and fun, which is all I need, you know, time alone with you. These tracks that are upbeat and they're energized. And then then Jesse Volume 4, sorry, I'll complete the, the concept, is when the morning comes back and that sort of rebirth of light and sort of rejuvenation. That sounds like one of the more interesting album concepts I've heard. I mean, these um, this four albums things really taking off. It's like people. T- it's like when in the classical era, people would release well after Beethoven, like nine symphonies was considered, you know, the the norm. But this um, this seems like our modern day form, which is to release four albums of a similar sort of vein. I'm thinking of Adele's ones, which he. Um, no, Adele just writes about the same breakup for four different albums. You're not a fan. I am a fan, actually. <laughs> it's it's just funny and true, the fact yeah. that that's what she does. 
So have you given me everything that you need to give me about this album? Yeah, I sort of yeah, because it's it's Jesse Volume Three in particular that I'm going for. Cause, which cause was it's, the... It's, the, it's very much the vibe of the album, which is sort of upbeat and and up tempo and. Oh, okay. Of, it's it's vaguely like if you listen to some of the songs, you you hear the bassline and you go, like Jacob Collier has explained this as well. Like you can have it so that it's um, all on the beat and it pumps that way and that's and that's fine and that's quite cool but you can also have it that it's slightly off yeah. it's slightly syncopated and you just that you get that body popping rhythms yeah and it's yeah each each of the tracks so far that have been released are just really sort of uplifting mm. well and then feel good in that sort of way it's really good you see i've <laughs> i've identified a couple links um, you don't have to respond to it, but I'm, this isn't my guess, but for each of them so far, you've had to look something up. I know that's not your link, because that'd be far too clever for you, but that's just something I've noticed. Um, my, my second idea was that they all have emphasis on the night, the, uh, local heroes with the stargazing concept and, um, the third installment of the album with its, um, well, it's about the night and partying. Um, and it still could be that. However, I'm going to go on what you've just said and say that your link is feel good. Damn it, I thought you weren't going to get it for a second there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, the link is each of these things are generally speaking very feel good. Good, good, good. Because it's been a miserable week. Yeah, that's been a f- what, I want to feel good. good. Yeah, that's fair enough. Very good. Two points was, for me. I was I was gonna talk. I was gonna build my my link from from another. It was actually from a graphic novel because we are allowing graphic novels in terms of the literature that we pick. Yeah. I was going to talk about a specific graphic novel, and then I realised how depressing it was. <laughs> and I wanted to talk about something that was much nicer than that, so I picked something else. Oh, lovely rebuilt my entire link you said you changed your album last minute what, what did you change it from i was going to pick eliza to do eliza doolittle oh yeah lovely, lovely. <clears throat> but um i realized i didn't actually i don't actually know that much about it i just like it a lot and i've listened to it for the last 10 years yeah um, oh. and because i've been going into jacob collier a lot i can actually talk about that yeah yeah cool so seth Yes. What is your album? My album is a single today. So I've, I'm pretty versatile. You know, I've done an album, I've done an EP, and now Ooh. I'm doing a single. And the single is uh, taken from, well, it was made for the film Call Me By Your Name. Um, the single is Mystery of Love on the A side, and then on the B side you've got Visions of Gideon and some sort of mix of Mystery of Love. Um, and... I, don't, I still don't know how you say his name. I, I always say Sufjan Stevens, but I don't know if that's actually how you say it. But I am a massive, massive fan of his, so I really didn't know how to say it. He's um, a American artist or Canadian? One of those. I don't know. And um, he's released some brilliant, brilliant albums. Seven Swans, uh, Karen Lowell, and just... His Christmas album is what I always put on at Christmas. It always gets me in 
in the Christmassy spirit. However, um, Mystery of Love and Vision. Have you heard these tracks from the film? Have you seen the film? Even I haven't seen the film. Um, ah, I haven't yeah. heard the tracks either. So I'm drawing a blank on this one so far. Oh well, Can you explain tr- them to me a little bit. Yeah. So um, obviously, the film's premise is um, it's it's a love film, essentially. Um, it's a love story. Um, Mystery of Love is about sort of the confusion and the sort of vagueness that comes with that. And Visions of Gideon is sort of like a very optimistic track about like what could have been and what still could be. And they're brilliantly written. Um, I was going to say something else about it and I've completely gone blank as to what I was going to say. It's quite important. Anyway, another um, fairly fairly new release. So look at me being all hip. This was, um, I think the film came out in 20... 2017, I think. I thought it was 2017, but I didn't want to put... Yeah, that sounds about right. 2016 or 2017. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a very good film as well. But um, And the soundtrack is even better. It got nominated for an Oscar, actually. This, um, the, you know, best original song. Or yeah. The, that, that one. Um, yeah, it, it didn't win, which is... A shame. Um, I was really rooting for it, but hey oh, there we go. It's difficult to describe music, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> just re- yeah. Just realise that, especially when, yeah. I mean, your your one's definitely got like a concept and some sort of like you can go into quite a lot of detail because it's jazz. Um, Sufjan Stevens, he doesn't write in one particular genre. All of his albums are very, very different from the other one, and this single is is. Probably, if if I had to compare it to an album, I'd compare it to Seven Swans. So it's sort of the acoustic-y, um, very easy listening. You should definitely give it a listen, Jay. You, you'd quite like it, and I can see you getting into Sub Jim Stevens. I mean, I think I probably will at this rate, yeah. Good. So, from what you sort of said, it, both of your things are quite recent. They are, yes. I don't think that's your link. No. Um, oh no, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, you did talk about uh, Sifter and Stevens not sticking to a single genre. I did actually, didn't I? Yeah. I don't feel like that you did. You said that by accident. I think that you had to say that on because because you forgot something that was quite important, and then you kept talking, and then I think you remembered the important thing and then try to drop it in like it wasn't the thing that you just magically remembered so i i'm i'm and it and it fits with knives out as well mm. so i'm going to say that they all sort of they they're sort of amorphous in genre and they they will switch okay so like like the the create uh, the the creators are very versatile sort of yeah. thing. No, that's not it. And neither was your guess, which I just reworded for you. Nah. I did pretty much guess the same thing twice in a row. You did indeed, yeah, you, you did. Um, that's entirely your own fault. Yeah. I don't really know what else to, to go with. It's annoying because it, that would have been a really good link, and I'm wishing that had to be my link. But then yeah, again, you would have guessed it. When you, when you said night as well, I went, oh no, that's actually, that's quite a good link. Yeah. I could have. Why didn't I come up? That's, that's nice. I like that. It's yeah. wrong, but it's. Yeah. Um, okay. So, can I try to guess your feel good book? 
please try and guess my feel-good book. Oh, that's given... I'm not going to get it, am I? I don't know. So, the fact that it's a feel-good book means that you can hopefully revisit it quite a lot of times. I'm going to guess it's quite a short book. Because, yeah, it's a quick burst of feeling good, hopefully. It's not the Hungry um, Caterpillar. I was going to go down the Dr. Seuss lines. Okay. Um, but it might not be. It might be... Jay, I know that you're a very deeply... You don't talk about much on the podcast, but you're a very deeply religious man and uh, you're quite enlightened. So is it the Bible? No, <laughs> it is not the Bible. And I would just like to clarify here and now, I am not at all religious. Uh, I don't know. Is it why I'm no longer talking to white people about race? No, because that's, that's what... Probably I'm... Not good for. <laughs> I didn't come out of it feeling feeling better. No. I came out of it feeling very informed and and with with drive and purpose but I didn't feel good. Okay, is it is it just a regular porn magazine that makes you feel good? Is it a dirty mag? A, a personal No. I, okay. I have I have not picked for my book this week <laughs> a porn mag. In that case, if it's not the Bible and it's not a porn mag. I've no idea. <laughs> Do you own any porn mags? When was the, when was the last time you saw <laughs> a porn magazine? I don't know. I do remember as a paper boy. Um, I was a paper boy and um, page three was still a thing. So I would actually. Oh, right. Yeah. I would often on my rounds just go. Mm-hmm. And then carry on my business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. What's your book? Wind in the Willows. <gasps> no, it isn't. It is. Oh, ah, you've. I love that book. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Kenneth Graham. Ah, oh. yeah. he, he hasn't really written much else. I don't think, apart from Wind in the Willows. But I'm not complaining because I'm more than happy to reread Wind in the Wind in the Willows. Wind in the Willows. Infinite times. It's oh, Mr. Mole and the water rat and Mr. Toad on his poot poot. The the open road, the dusty highway, travel, change, excitement. It's very cute hearing it's, you uh, just wax lyrical and just go, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it is bloody good, though. It's really good. I finished it this morning because oh, I was on the last... It. I was on the last chapter when I got to like nine o'clock this morning because I, I got up slightly earlier to make sure that I could finish it in time. Um, started reading it a week ago and then got distracted halfway through the week with other things. Why did you Why did you decide to um, read it? Because I had it on my bookshelf and I went, I'd really quite like to read that. And That's... I started reading it and went, this was a good decision. It's a good, good reason. Do you remember, I have this, when I... Um... When I read it for the first time and I was reading the first chapter very early on where the mole discovers a river for the first time and you've got this really beautiful description of it. Yeah. Do you remember doing that in English? I remember being given that passage in... We've, in we Eng- might have done. In an English lesson and, and having to talk about it a bit. Yeah. One but, of the things I... One of the, only thing, one of the only actual texts that I remember that we got a small extract from in English is a passage to India. Mm, I, I do. Remember, yeah. I remember we were given a small passage from that in the past. I don't remember Wind in the Willows. It's quite likely that we were given it though. Yeah. 
Long sentences as well. I uh, yes. Really long rambly sentences. Very comprehensive for a children's book. Yeah, and I saw. I was very depressed. I I was I I looked up Wind in the Willows and Kenneth Graham yesterday or the day before to to make sure that in his later life he didn't do anything a bit dodgy. Oh, and no. Talking about it would wouldn't be weird. Apparently there is nothing. Oh thank goodness. That, that, that nothing immediately came up that he was a wrong and which was nice. That is good. But the, there was an article in the Daily Mail that that suggested that um, Wind in the Willows was a, was a what, what was the phrase? Oh yeah, it was a gay manifesto. <laughs> was the phrase that they used? And I looked at that and I went, I can see vaguely I... where you're coming from, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Please yeah, go away. Absolutely. I think the Water Rat and um, Mr. Mole. Yeah. Are very very. They're just such good friends. It's um, it's, it's, a, lovely it's a lovely relationship yeah. that they have, actually. Um, and actually, all the relationships in the book are really nice. Yeah, they are. And they're, they're sort of fond... We, we've all got that Mr. Toad friend who we have this... We're very fond of, of them. But they are very, very annoying and often make all the wrong choices. <laughs> they're totally unreliable and they really <laughs> need to get their act together. <laughs> yeah um, but you know they're, they're good to hang out with yeah <laughs> they're a good laugh <laughs> yeah no it's, and, then, uh, and then you get um mr badger see i feel like you're a mr badger i think that might be true i feel like uh, you're a mr toad yeah that's possible <laughs> <laughs> as i was saying makes all the wrong choices unreliable i was thinking this is all sounding a bit too familiar but yeah very possibly yeah. I I loved it from start to finish. It's so brilliant. And some of the sentences in it are just perfect. Yeah. The, there, is a, there is a point about halfway through the book where, spoiler alert, Toad gets arrested. Mm. And he's in court and they're <laughs> talking about his sentencing. He stole a motor car, which is definitely the worst offence. <laughs> and so... And so it should be that he should get three years for the stealing of the motor car. One year for um, aggravating the public. <laughs> and 13 years for being a thoroughly large brute to the police and <laughs> making quite a nuisance of himself. <laughs> and they went, round it up to... So that makes 19 years. But we'll round it up to 20 just to be sure. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen, um, perchance, uh, the Disney Ichabod and Mr. Toad, have you? I don't think so, no. Okay, give it a watch. Um, it's, it's one of their early animations from like the 50s or the 60s anyway, and it's, it animates the adventures of Mr. Toad for about... Oh, that's it's a, short, it's only about 30 minutes, but it's really good. Um... Just quickly on Wind in the Willows, I've always wanted to talk to someone about, as you can tell, none of my friends have read it, um, and now you have. So I want to talk to you about this one bit, which I've always been torn about. Um, do you, no, no uh, too many ideas. First one. Um, so, the bit where they're walking past um, Mole and Rat are caught in some sort of blizzard, and they're walking, and then Mole is overcome by this deep sadness and and 
And he gets the he gets the scent of his home, doesn't he? He gets the scent of his home, and he's so upset by it, and it's it, he's so distraught, and like yeah. he's he sort of becomes possessed for mm. by by the sort of by the call to his home. But it's quite a dark moment because he's sobbing in in the snow and rats leaving him, and he's sort of possessed by this sort of he can't move because he's yeah. he's so drawn to it. It's it. What do you think about about that bit? It, it it's just I found it very. I think very... it's really lovely, and the reason I think it's really lovely is because it's a kids' book, and it has those moments where you go. Sometimes you will just feel really sad. Yeah, and that's okay, and especially when you have a friend like Ratty who go. Oh no, this is really important to you. You're really sad. Let's go do this. No. Yeah. Shut up. It's it's not too late to, to go back. We're going back and we're going to see Mole End. And yeah. we're going to have a lovely time. And they oh, do yeah. and they ha- and it's great. Such a lovely moment. Such a lovely moment. You could have chosen um finding your home then as your link. Apart from your second one, for Local Hero and Wind in the Willows, sort of the idea yeah, I of done. idea of home. Especially at the start of the book as well, because it's almost like that he's gone to the river and this is his new home. Like he's found his new, because mm. there is the massive sense of, oh my god, this yeah. is perfect. This is where I want to <laughs> live. Yeah, great book choice. Well done. Um, my choice of book is um, one that you probably know as well. It's the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. Have you read it? I know that you'll know a lot about it because of the Frantic Assembly adaptation, which we had to sort of study as part of our theatre. Yeah. He's, is he auti- he's autistic, isn't he? Yes, he is, yeah. The main he's... character is autistic and a dog is r- seemingly randomly pitchforked, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, found it's with right a... on the cover of the book. Yeah, it's found with a pitchfork um, through it. And... Um... He, um, the autistic boy, um, he decides that this is going to, that he has to be the one to solve this mystery. And in, in trying to uncover this, um, this mystery, he, um, he discovers that he has a mother. Um, it never had occurred to him that, that, oh, no, 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 I've got that wrong. No, sorry, he discovers that his mother is in fact still alive and well, despite his father having told him that his mother had died, because he finds lots oh. of letters addressed to him from his mother in his uh, father's drawer that he hides, and he reads them, and then he goes off by himself and to, to go and find his his mother, and he discovers all of these, all these, you know, like when you unravel a thread and then you sort of, and then suddenly everything falls out and you you. Yeah, yeah, you're just you're just pulling at the thread, and then you've just noticed you haven't got a jumper anymore. <laughs> yeah, literally, that that is what happened. So he he, he uncans a whole box of worms, and um, it he, it's written from his perspective as well, and it's really it's very insightful as to how one with autism would react in these situations and how they struggle with um well everyday tasks. It's very good. It's uh, 2003, I think. So again, another fairly recent one, and it had um, lots of. It won lots of awards for various. Yeah. Various awards. It was it's very. Had a 
huge amount of acclaim over the years. Yeah, it's a very good book. I think I will go go away and start reading that at some point or other. I hope I it's only it's short. It's only short. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be within the week. So I yeah, you'll get a point next week. But um, well, certainly all of the things seem to have mysteries at the heart. So Knives Out is a sort of Agatha Christie esque whodunit. Mm. The track that you talked about was called. Uh, Mystery of Love and Visions of Gideon, yeah. Mystery of Love. And also the the story from, from that film is sort of, it's sort of like an awakening, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, yeah. Um, and then the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime, you obviously get um, that sort of unravelling of, of mysteries and stuff. So I'm just going to say mysteries, unravelling mysteries. That's it. They're all mystery. Mystery is the is the key word. Yeah, that's all it was. All of oh, my okay. choices. All of my choices had um. Well, they were centered around a, a mystery. Hmm. Why'd you pick? Why'd you pick that then? I don't know. I just sort of thought, oh, okay. I don't know. I just thought uh, that would be. You know, I thought I thought you'd get it a lot sooner because it's it's quite an easy one. I thought. Yeah, I so I think I sort of. Definitely for the second one, I I focused on the idea of a link, and I really wanted it to be right, so I tried it twice, <laughs> just in case it was my phrasing that was wrong. Going, no, you're just wrong. Yeah, it's when you were sort you said um, I can't remember what you said on the first go, but you were sort of saying towards a mystery, and then you you changed your latter half of your statement to genre switching. So you were on the right lines with your yeah. first guess, and then you you went off on one about uh, genre switching. But yeah, that's it. So, Lovely. I have two points. I have one. That makes me the winner yet again. Yes, it does. Am, did you am win I, last week? I did win last week. I, I'm getting a feeling I'm probably unbeatable. But last week, I think we'll, we'll exclude yep. that, because my link was dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, your link was dogs last yeah. week. Um, <laughs> that was yeah, that was so stupid. This wasn't my proudest moment. Um, yeah, so you've won two now, and I've won one. I've definitely won more than two, haven't I? No, because we said you won the one with Dan Hall, but, but I didn't. Yeah, no, but you didn't because we. <laughs> Because I forgot that I'd gotten two points some somewhere along the way. Mm. Okay, that's pretty much the end, then, isn't it? That is pretty much the end. Um... Thank you all very, very much for listening to the end. Please go and support Black Lives Matter in whatever way you can. That's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me as well. Goodbye.